As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder 1v1. I am Paul Tenorio, joined today by St. Louis City SC Sporting Director Lutz Fonenstiel. Lutz, welcome. Thank you for being on. Um, You know, big, big, uh, big year coming up ahead of you. And now that we're in late August, things have got to be getting really busy for you as you prepare for the expansion season. I know you've already gotten started on the roster building, but is the anticipation for you even picking up the competitiveness starting to really kick into gear as you see the expansion draft and and the first season coming around the corner? You know, I think uh, actually now it's the time of fine-tuning, I would say. Um, we had two years now time to really prepare a lot, to work a lot, to get the, the baby steps right. Uh, we always said uh, the first team is the short term, that's what we have to really solve on, on, on a short term, also with the system, with the drafts. So there's not really that much you can do, especially when it comes to American players. So let's focus on community and focus on, on a good academy system. So we have our our local players in a really, really good shape that our philosophy, our way of play is something already which is uh, uh, manifested in the head of, of everybody who is in and around the club. And... Uh, yeah, as you said, you know, I mean, we 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 signed uh, seven foreigners, which are a big, big part of our of our strategy, of course, as well. That we went for European players, mostly or European-based players, and uh, the scouting part, the analyzing part, watching literally every MLS game three times to find out what really is the right people to fit to us. Also, trying already to work a lot on the university. Uh, college level to see what could be eventually uh, possible targets. That's uh, at the moment uh, the daily life and uh, just on, on the side of that we we opening a stadium soon we we having a training facility where we're moving in in the next few weeks. So there is a lot to do. I mean since two years I didn't have one day of boredom so all good. Well look I want to come back around to the expansion season and the roster. It's something I love to talk about is roster building, but you have such an incredible story. And I want to dive into your background a little bit. Um, You are the only player, according to FIFA, that's played on all six continents where there is uh, an association there. Uh, 27 different teams, is that right, Lutz? 
that you play no, it's for? Only, it's only 25. 25 like, sometimes, different teams. Sometimes okay. Wikipedia has mistakes. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I, I wonder, you know, first of all, was there a point in your career that you decided, you know, this is the way I want to go? I want to use soccer to see the world and, and, and play for as many different teams as I can and, and, and get the experience out of it that, that I can? No, not at all, actually. You know, that, that it literally came by chance, by coincidence. It's it's a bit like a... My career was a bit like a roller coaster. I mean, you know, playing at, at, at all kind of different levels. And uh, I always was a person who made lots of decisions, not always thinking it through, but <laughs> listening to the stomach and, and sometimes made a decision where the people who don't really follow it, wondering why is he doing that now? Um, but in the end of the day, it, it all worked out very well for a reason. So I do believe in the instincts and, and in trying to make a decision, not just based on numbers. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, especially being in England, the loan system kicked in, you know, and, and I was I was out quite often on loan on short term deals. Uh, once you create, especially as a goalkeeper, the reputation to be like a firefighter whenever there is a problem bring him in he will he will solve this short term problem that was one of my one of my strengths that you could throw me in anywhere in the world and i would perform from day one i didn't need this long phase of getting used to things um and, and that's why um yeah i i kind of created a reputation let's try to to be the quick fix and 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 yeah sometimes arriving on a on a thursday and and being on on the field on a on a saturday without even knowing the name of any players um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, why I traveled that much. Um, yeah, of course, Paul, you get used to that as well, to that lifestyle, you know. And um, I never really thought, well, let's go there because it's a nice country or let's sign here because I want to see the world. It just it just happened in that kind of motion. It looks a bit odd sometimes if you look at, at, at my CV. But now taking that CV and taking that experience, taking the knowledge I even call it a little bit the wisdom of different cultures, football culture from all over the world. It helps me tremendously in my job right now. It it helped me tremendously when I was head of recruitment in, in the Bundesliga and then also the sporting director there because I do know somewhere, everybody or somebody in anywhere all over the world. Yeah. So it's very difficult to give me a town or a, or a country where I don't have one kind of good connection in football. So it's it's not the worst thing. Well, I wonder, you know, when you go to so many different countries and play in so many different places, um, first of all, was there a, a favorite cuisine that you came across that maybe you didn't know, the type of food that you fell in love with in one of your one of your stops? Yeah, I mean, there is one kind of food where people all over the world don't really know it that well. It's like Georgian food or Armenian food. You know, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. Um, still, whenever I'm in in New York or somewhere, or also in, in LA, I straight away jump into one of these restaurants because the food is amazing. It's not that uh, that it's quite unusual all over the world. So it's more known in that region, in that Caucasus region. That that's that's some great food. Yeah. Well, you're German, so I also have to ask. Obviously, German beer, I'm sure, in your mind is the best. But was there a place that had a, a really good beer that you were surprised by? I don't drink beer. You don't no. drink no beer as no, a German. I don't like it. I mean, I'm I'm basically, you know, I don't drink hardly ever any alcohol. Never did. I mean, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the taste of it. Uh, so if there is a birthday or Christmas, I, I can force myself to have like a glass of wine with my wife. 
but already already on the edge i, I fight it yeah well <laughs> so, that, that's uh, how you have a long career right uh, yeah <laughs> i mean it's just something i never really uh, you know i'm I, I, when it comes to that behaving professional smoking drinking uh, things like that that was never never one of my things so i i'm very good, pretty good behaved i think was there a favorite team a favorite place that you played yeah, yeah, I think you have to split it in, in the country and in, in the football. So, I mean, I, for example, when it comes to football, uh, Brazil and England were the two countries where, you know, for me, even better than Germany, because it's football is, it's like a religion, like a cult. It's like just everything is about football. Being a German, growing up in Germany, it, it, it's just something a little bit different because I, w I grew up in that system, so I know it too well. Uh, when it comes to living, I think New Zealand um, or also Norway were fantastic places. However, the best city I lived in, I think, was Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It's just an amazing place. And playing there again now with the MLS Next Pro a few weeks ago uh, and also most likely playing the next season with the MLS team, you know, um, it's kind of like a little bit of a homecoming for me. Uh, still one of my favorite cities. Yeah, it's, it's one of the cities I still have to check off my list to go and visit, but I've heard incredible things about Vancouver. Um, one of the other things I read about you is that you actually had a pretty big medical incident when you were playing in England. You had a huge collision and you stopped breathing on the field. I wonder, just for, from your perspective, what you remember from that incident and, and if anything, and what impact it might have had on you to, to go through an incident like that where, where you stop breathing on the field and have to be revived. That's a crazy story. I think uh, if I go into details, we will sit here the whole day. Uh, <laughs> but I, I give you just a brief one. Um, I mean, it was a, a typical boxing day. You know, that's the big day in English football when everybody's out there. Uh, typical English, rainy, cold, uh, wet grass. Um, and it was like a derby. And I don't know if you remember the player, Clayton Donaldson. Uh, played for Hull City and a few clubs in the Premier League as well. The kid was unbelievable quick. And, uh, you know, it was a 50-50 ball. I came out. We came there at the same time. Some, for some reason, he poked the ball against me and tried to jump over me, but he fell over his own feet uh, and fell with his knee right into my sternum. So I got this typical, I would call it a boxing injury, where your, your, your lungs collapse, you basically pass out. And there was no ambulance there. They were on the way, uh, delayed, so... So I literally died on the field three times. I got uh, brought back by, I think you call it CPR. Yes. Yeah, mouth yep. to mouth. Uh, and uh, our physio, Ray Killick, uh, I'm still in touch with him. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's an older gentleman now. So he really saved my life because he kept on bringing me back when I drifted away. The game was canceled, which also doesn't happen much in, in the world of football, but especially in England. Uh, Fun fact for you, uh, John Moss, one of the most famous English referees, Premier League referees, uh, he was the referee that game, actually. He stopped it. And, um, yeah, I was basically, I only remember the impact. I remember that I tried to get up, um, and then that was it. Uh, yeah. However, uh, when I did wake up, uh, I saw green people. Uh, because I had a very blurry version uh, at that moment, and it was actually the nurses in the hospital. So I was thinking, uh, first, my first thought was I was abducted by aliens. I realized <laughs> that's not the case. I had a very, I would call it legendary reaction because I was screaming at the nurses and at the doctor to cut me off the board and I need to go back onto the field. 
but they informed me I'm in hospital and, you know, they put me on a stretcher because they didn't really know what was wrong with me. Um, however, I did have that experience when I did was in that coma for, I think I was in a coma for like three and a half, four hours. I did have, uh, I would call it a, probably a near-death experience where I was, I wouldn't call it a tunnel, but there was definitely lots of lights. There was no colors in my case. It was only black, gray, silver uh, kind of moving object. So it was a weird, very quiet, peaceful feeling. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I was not ready yet. I also think uh, they didn't want me in heaven yet. Uh, sent me back down and here I am. What an incredible, incredible story. And I did it, did it impact you at all to go through something like that? Did it change your perspective? Yes, it did. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm a bit hardcore when it comes to certain things. So I, I was... Um, I actually went home that night from hospital because I didn't believe I was hurt. Uh, when the when the painkillers stopped working at home, I went back to the hospital. Say, okay, I stay here for one night, guys. I'm, I'm okay. So I went back. Uh, however, and that's a little bit irresponsible and unbelievable. Seven days later, I played the game again, even though I had a, a, a like a hairline fracture on my on my chest bone, and just came out from a coma. Uh, I had that idea of, uh, in Germany, you know, ski jumping, uh, like there is this kind of unwritten law. If you have a bad fall, try to be as quickly as possible back on the slope. Otherwise, you will be scared. And I was a, a physical goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper who always liked to dive with my face in front of people. I look at it, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and um, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to play as soon as possible so I can keep my style of play. I can keep my, my way and I can keep my, my, yeah, my mentality, I would say. So seven years later, I played again. The coaches, they didn't really want to let me play. The fans were upset that I do that. Um, I played, you know, uh, it went well. I didn't get hurt. Uh, now looking back, uh, it was irresponsible towards my family, even responsible towards the club, very irresponsible towards my own health. But I would do it again because after that, I still played for another 11, 12 years. And I think it was important to make the decision. Otherwise, I probably would have not been able to perform the way I like to play anymore. Oh, it's it's quite a story, Lutz. And, and I love, you know, in the U.S., it's get back up on the horse, but it's truly Bavarian to say to get back up onto the slope for the for the long ski jump. I, I, I like that perspective. But, but also, but to add that, uh, you know, Paul, it, it did have an impact because after six months down the road, you realized I was basically dead. I somehow had an opportunity to to be back on track, to be back again with humans and, and do good things. So it did change my, my attitude to life uh, quite a bit. You know, I always see everything as a, as a second opportunity. 26th of December, I always celebrate my second birthday with a proper cake and candles because it's a, it was a nice way to, 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 to see life and death are so close together. And it's just basically nothing. It was a fun game. It was a player who was quick. Uh, there was no bad intention on his side. It was a freak accident. And suddenly you are basically gone. Um, lucky enough, I was uh, allowed to return on planet Earth. Yeah, brought me to America in the end of the day. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, you you know, when moving out of your playing career, you spent a long time working in, in Germany in the Bundesliga um, as, a, as an international scout, as a sporting director. And there is a, a pretty strong connection that's formed between the Bundesliga and American players. Um, certainly, there's a history of players that have gone over. We know players like Steve Cherundolo, who spent their entire career there and, and became well-known in the Bundesliga. But I think in recent days, and in, especially with this current U.S. men's national team player pool, Christian Pulisic at Dortmund, going at a young age, breaking out, kind of became... Um, a waterfall moment for American players that a young player could go and have success at a club that big um, at such a young age. And it opened the door for Weston McKinney at Schalke, who, who in turn opened the door and, and Tyler Adams at Leipzig. I wonder, you know, as you were there working and this was happening, is that where you started to maybe get interest of, oh, OK, maybe I would like to go work in the United States and, and see what type of talent is there and, and, and build something there as well. And what was your perspective as you started to see more American players come over to Europe at a young age? Yeah, I think right now, Chiarena is the best example, you know, where uh, there's a big impact. I mean, German people love him. Dortmund fans absolutely adore him. He's just a wonderful player to watch. I think uh, the mentality uh, fits quite well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think American players with a good, I would call it, physical education, with a very uh, clear way of how they want to play the game, they come over. The language is not that that different. The culture is not that different. It's easy to adjust. Now, you mentioned uh, Hoffenheim. I had four American players in Hoffenheim. Charles Rankin is still now with me here in St. Louis as one of my academy coaches. Joseph Chiao um, well, was in Cincinnati. I mean, I had him in Hoffenheim actually, even in the pro team for a few games. I had Russell Canus, who was in Hoffenheim with me as well in the pro team, where I actually helped him a lot to come back to the States because he wanted to come back. He felt it was the right time. So we, we got that deal done on, on, on deadline day, you know, last moment. And uh, a player called Zach Pfeffer, who was in, uh, in, in, in Philly. So I had four American kids in, in, in Hoffenheim. When I was in, in, in Dusseldorf, I took Zach Stefan on loan from Man City and Guardiola and, and gave him 
playing time in the Bundesliga, which was, I think, a great introduction for him coming from Columbus into, into European football. So I was always quite connected and having played myself in Vancouver, where I don't know how many games I played in Seattle and Portland, where I usually got abused by the Portland fans every single time I was there. Also looking forward to that game. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so it's, I, I do, I do, I always followed, followed the football here. Um, and now I have lots of friends over. Uh, so it, it, I never really lost the connection since my playing days. And uh, even the past I had with Sean Hackworth, Sean being, uh, you know, US under 17 coach at various World Cups where I was there to, to look for the next top star. And I always looked at lots of American guys. I mean, that's where I saw actually uh, Zach Steffen for the first time uh, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he was in, in, in the Youth World Cup. So there was always that connection and there was always the interest in, in, in players from, from that part of the world. How much, um, you know, ahead of the expansion season that you, like you said, you've been active in the international market, which is pretty much the one place you can be active now. Um, how much, though, are you studying expansion history? Where, how teams have been built in the past, where they've gone wrong, where they've gone right, what you want to do differently? What, what is that process like for you? Yeah, the, the funny part is that I often, you know, get told, well, why doesn't he sign some American players? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, because I can't, you know, I would love to sign some American players now, but but it's just simply not possible because everybody is playing MLS right now and they need to wait for the season to be finished to act on the draft, but also to, to look for players I can probably probably buy. Um, so, yeah, uh, doing the homework on the, on the, I will call it on the history of the, of the draft is very important to see what kind of players are, are really uh, were signed, what positions in the past, what age groups are signed in the past. Uh, I think also we need to realize that it's not just there that you go out there and you snip five times with the finger and you have five times a starting player for an MLS team. That's, um, that's not the reality. You know, I mean, I, I do look at it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a three out of five. If I get three players who are, have starting quality and get two players who have a good squad quality, then I think we will do a good job. But um, the biggest problem or the biggest challenge for us, Paul, is that we having a very unique playing style. We having a very, very clear profile for all the players on all positions. And we are a pressing team. We are a high-intensity team. And the numbers of players which fall exactly into the profiles are limited anyway. And then there is a certain word of protection. And that protection obviously will take away another big number of players from us. Plus there's a homegrown rule which takes players away. So suddenly the easy task of having so many players you can pick from shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And then you're ending up with a smaller group of guys. And that's the ones you need to focus on. So for us to really watch every game, to analyze every player on the positions we're still looking for, and we do have an idea what positions we want to fill, with the draft picks. That's right now the, the job uh, Bradley Cannell, myself, and, and also John Hackworth uh, doing daily and hourly and basically day and night. Yeah, it's interesting um, to know that you guys are going to come out playing and pressing. Obviously, I, you know, Bradley Carnell has a lot of experience with the Red Bull system. And I think in Germany, in, in general, we've seen pressing teams kind of emerge that style. Um, 
I, I find it interesting in part because in MLS, what, what's made the Red Bulls work when they've been good is you can find young American players who can adapt very quickly to that pressing style. I imagine, like you said, you're looking at the, the college level, you're working on building out your academy in a, in a city with a huge history in the game. Um, how, how have you seen, as you, as you integrate that style into your academy teams, into the youth side, how have you seen those players adapt to, to that style of play? Yeah, I think I have to give you a brief history about that one, and then I think it all makes very much sense. So when when I was talking to the owners, to the Taylor family, you know, it, it was basically the idea how I see my football. My football is based on Hoffenheim. It's a it's a clear message. That is how where I grew up. That is where I spent eight years. There is where I where where I found players like Joel Linton or or or, or Firmino or Kevin Folland. You know, players who who really had an impact in world football. Um, for us, that was the moment when I, I discussed that, how I would see the plan I could implement. And um, obviously, it was then the choice by the owners, if they want to go Brazilian style or if they want to go more with a pure American style, or even if they say we want to go tiki-taka and take a Spanish sporting director in, what kind of philosophy or what kind of plan we want to go? Um Fortunately or unfortunately, we will find out in the next few years. Uh, uh, we, we we agreed on, uh, on 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 that way of football, and the reason is very simple. We are in the Midwest, and the way Midwestern player the, mid- the mentality is hardworking, down to earth. You know, you fight, you grind, you you do always your best. You leave your heart and your soul on that field till the ninety fifth minute. Same as the Blues similar to the Cardinals. We we do want to have that blue-collar approach. We want to have that hard workmanship approach. And that fits perfectly from that idea we created in Hoffenheim, the idea I learned and grew up my, my football, very much to that what St. Louis stands for, but also from the values the Taylor family stands for. So it's a, it's a very, very good fit. And, you know, you feel that very early in a talk or in the process, yeah, that is what I want to do. Come back to an earlier question. I did not think I will go to the MLS already. I had options to go to the Premier League or stay in the Bundesliga. But that club here, that project here, the opportunities to build something from scratch, to implement a completely new philosophy without having any kind of knots or any kind of ties to anybody. I mean, that completely blew my mind. And, you know, it's like, it's like, for me, the most interesting job in professional football actually in the world. I wouldn't exchange it to any club right now in this moment because it's fantastic if you see every day stone by stone getting built, build a fortress, build a stadium which is unreal. It's crazily beautiful and and, and it's just magic. Having a training facility which is the most modern in the country where a lot of inspiration came from Man City where I still have good connections uh, Hoffenheim, Hamburg, uh, uh, Leipzig, you know, all that different influences, seeing the best facilities in the world and trying to pick for, for our level here, for our IDC, that together. So that is based on a whole plan. Our U15 will play the same way as the 16-17 MLS Next Pro and Pro Team. We do have that philosophy, our way of choosing coaches, even at youth level, even if community level, are going that direction we want to have a full. We want to have the full package, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It is such a cool opportunity. I imagine 
you're building a roster at the same time as a stadium's being built. You can watch that progress every single day with the physical side of it, with the stadium, with the training facility. It, it, you know, I, I always say it's it's probably one of, if not the most difficult jobs as well, as much fun as it must be. Like you said, if you're a sporting director and you have a, a typical international window, you're maybe signing five players. And if you get three of those players right, you've done a great job and, and you know, you don't really see those two misses as big. When you're signing 30 players, uh, there's there's a, a lot that can go right and a lot that go wrong. And, and then you have the chance to adjust in the next two windows. It's an, it's an incredible story that we've seen so much in MLS. Um, but I imagine, um, you know, in some ways, it's, it's probably just a lot of fun to, to build a roster from from nothing, from thin air. Yeah, and we have been given uh, an incredible opportunity by the owners that they gave me the, the chance to to sign already the spine, the foreign players, uh, you know, players with Bundesliga experience uh, six months prior to the normal transfer window. So the guys can ad- get adjusted. I saw, I signed Pelé Canel one year to go. So basically we got a lot of the, 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 the yeah, I would, the DPs and lots of players with lots of experience, plus the head coach in with a very long way to go. That means we do not have the excuse to say on, on the on the on the 10th of January, here, Bradley, I opened the door, there is 30 guys in there who want to play some football. Let's try to make it work. No, we have these guys already here now. We're working now on certain structures and certain automatism. So we can already prepare much more in detail than other expansion teams did. Plus, we're having MLS Next Pro, where we can already try out everything. We know how to travel to Portland. We know how to eat in Seattle. We know how to sleep in Vancouver. That's all things, if you're completely new, you don't know these things. And these things sometimes can really kill a game or kill your season. So we have a unique opportunity to actually uh, use that time in the MLS Next Pro to get lots of our key players adjusted. Yeah, one thing I loved when I was looking at who you've signed so far... All of them from different countries. I think it, it's a reflection of the sporting director to, to have the travels you've had, to see the the different flags already coming into St. Louis City. Uh, I, I love that part of the personality and and uh, wish you success. I appreciate you coming on and and very interested to see how the next few months go as you continue to to build through the expansion draft, through the college draft, through free agency, and of course once that window opens back up again in January. Thank you so much, Lutz, for being here. Thanks, Paul. You give me a shout once he's done it, then you tell me how we did. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you.